Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is a man who's going to join the accusation and save the bleeding nation. (laughs) He'll get it off his shoulders because he'll just blame it on the stones. Here's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben. I mean... So for this episode, we have a special guest. He was a referral from David Bournet from our Nirvana Nevermind episode, which is one of my favorite episodes ever. Please welcome to the podcast musician Rick Brantley. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm great, man. I'm, uh, it's all good. I'm in Santa Fe, New Mexico right now. It's a beautiful evening. I have a fire going in the fire pit in the courtyard. and I'm excited to talk to you guys about one of my favorite records. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, we were, we were talking before we started recording. So we're recording this day after the debate. Oh. So all of us yeah. are a little deflated. Right yeah. Now. I think we need a good hour of talking about maybe the greatest songwriter who ever lived to flush that out of our systems. Yeah. yeah that is a good start. <laughs> all right. Well, premise of our podcast is fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each podcast, I ask the all important question, start with wayne so wayne what what t-shirt are you wearing i i ran out of johnny cash shirts uh which is what <laughs> i would have loved to have worn but uh i have a it's johnny cupcakes is kind of a parody thing um everything's <laughs> related but i have a, a bruce springs uh, just actually it says baked in the usa and it has a kind of a parody of the born in the usa uh, album cover all right that'll that'll work <laughs> i love that how about you, Rick? What, what T-shirt are you wearing? Okay, so I was prepared for this question because, uh, you know, my friend David Borne uh, gave me a, sort of the inside baseball, so I would hopefully be a good podcast guest. Thank I you. don't own a single shirt with writing on it. I don't know if that makes wow. me strange or not, but uh, so I'm wearing like an old Heather Gray T-shirt that I bought at Urban Outfitters at least 10 years ago. It's like my favorite shirt in the world, but I honestly do not have a shirt with writing on it. And even now, cause I'm kind of on a working vacation, I only have a limited number of clothes. So I think that's a boring answer, but I, I'm, I'm so sorry. I feel like I let the podcast. No, no, not at all. I don't even know if you could do that on accident, a shirt with no writing on it. That almost yeah. seems intentional. Even that's like the odds were against <laughs> well, it. Did, did you listen to the David Bourne episode? I did a little bit. And I mean, that's a, <laughs> that's a conversation that David and I have had, uh, at nauseum on our back porch. Well, David didn't even wear uh, any shirt for the podcast. <laughs> if it, <laughs> That's right. That's right. And I, look, as somebody who spends a lot of time around David Bourne, one of my favorite human beings to ever live and walk the earth, that's pretty normal for him. Like it, it, you'd be rare to find him in a, a shirt and shoes at any time of day. And this is not just a quarantine thing. Trust yeah. Me. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And you could say the same thing. Actually, you could say the same thing about me. That's we're, we're similar gotcha. in that way. All right. Well, Wayne, I'm I'm wearing a new T-shirt. So I, f- I finally got in the mail last week. I got my uh, Carolina Story bundle, nice. my uh, my signed vinyl and uh, T-shirt. So yeah, that's a cool shirt. I I I got my eye on one of those. Yeah. So promoting promoting Carolina Story. So if you. Uh, if you listeners have not listened to the Brandy Carlisle episode we did with them, go check that out. And then after you check that out, go check out their recent record, which is called Dandelion, which is 
really good. Good stuff. Hmm. All right. Uh, and that was not a paid endorsement that they got the records revisited. <laughs> not endorsement. Not yet. Not yet. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Rick, um, so I'm reading, reading your bio and it first mentions mm-hmm. that you're from Macon, Georgia. So I, I spent three months in Macon on my religious mission back in 1990. And my my favorite memory of Macon is that I played a pickup game of basketball in the gym that the Allman Brothers donated to the city of Macon. <laughs> was that for was that for like the JCs or something back then? I can't remember what it was. Something like uh, that. Yeah. 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 I I you know, I grew up there. My my mom and dad are from around that area. My dad, you know, he and Greg Allman would be about the same age, I suppose. So he was kind of living in Macon at that time when they were young and making music down on Cherry Street and uh, Capricorn Studios and everything. So I actually grew up with quite a bit of that heritage and knowing a bit as a few of those people. And I've, I've pressed play on a couple of things in the old Capricorn Studios. And uh, Macon is a, is a really interesting place. Um, it was a great place to grow up in. And a kind of a better place to get the hell out of, but it's still, I still love it, you know, and, and there's some real, there's some special people in Macon. Yeah. I, I drove through Macon a few months ago to go up for a family vacation up in the Georgia mountains. And, um, mm-hmm. I made my family listen to Almond Brothers for at least an hour when oh, we drove through. Absolutely. Macon. Yeah. Nice. I almost for this, uh, for this podcast, I almost recommended, uh, live at the Fillmore. Great. Almer Brothers record. But I didn't really know how to talk about that. You know, it's more of an experience than a dissertation. Yeah. Well, we could have talked about Eat a Peach, I guess. Mm. True. Actually, I think I, if I had my druthers, it would be Idle Wild South for me, the second record. Okay. The Tom, uh, Tom Dowd record. Yeah. That's that's solid as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, other, the other cool thing when I was in, in Macon was the – the apartment complex that, that I stayed in for those couple months was about a mile from where Otis Redding grew up. Oh, wow. And yeah. so, so I definitely had, what, what to, part of town was that? I, it was the East area. I'm trying to remember what the area, cause they called it something in particular. I haven't, was it down near like uh, the Coliseum and the Coliseum Hospital? And because uh, I'm just I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I actually don't know. It but was, the Otis Redding Bridge is right there. Yeah, it was north. It was north of where the Coliseum was, northeast mm. of the Coliseum. So I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I, I don't know what it's called. I though. mean, honestly, I haven't been back there in 30 years, so I don't know. I haven't I been to. back in 10, 10 at least. Really. We're in good company. Yeah, I, I would not 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 making proper. My my dad's passed, and my mother lives about an hour and a half south of there. So okay. I guess in some ways I passed through there, but I haven't been there to visit in a long time. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, I I wasn't there long enough to really have these fond memories. Um, I did stop. Um, what was the what was the name of the restaurant? H and H. H and H, oh yeah, Ugh. Mama, Mama Louise. Whew. Some good breakfast there at H and H. If you, yeah, if you don't mind waiting for an hour because she's literally in the backyard killing the chicken you're about to eat. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's it can't get any fresher, and it's amazing. We we stopped in there. So 
uh two summers ago we drove up to 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 atlanta to go see jason aldean and uh hootie and the blowfish before hootie officially got back together and mm-hmm. uh, we we stopped there and believe it or not we stopped at h and h for you know a, a lunch and there were some long-haired dudes sitting near the kitchen and the well um wayne you know this name scott cookson who i was with uh oh yeah my wife and and his wife you know we we did the couples thing going up there and he he leans over to me and goes i think those guys over there are somebody and i'm like (laughs) yeah whatever and the the uh, waitress comes by and he goes Hey, who who are those guys sitting over by the kitchen there? And she's like, "Oh, those are um, those are a couple of the guys from Molly Hatchet. They're playing a concert here in Macon <laughs> today, today." So, so he was right. He was he was right. He was right. I didn't see Molly Hatchet entering the conversation. Wow, that's a blast from the past. <laughs> no, so so of course we had to play Gator Chomp on the way home. So. <laughs> uh, Anyways. Oh man, I almost just spit my water all over my head. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how I how we got on this topic. All right. Um, oh, no, this is great. <laughs> anyways, there's my making stories. I'll shut up now. Um All right, so so you haven't been back in 10 years. So you're you're pretty much a Nashville guy now then. Yeah, I mean, I've been in Nashville for gosh, this is like 15 years, I think. Okay. And I, I, I spent some time out in LA uh, in that time too, but uh, yeah, Nashville's home. Gotcha. All right. Well, I've said this before on other episodes and, and Wayne, I, I'm sure you can, you can chime in here on, on, on this as well, but we're, we're super thankful for our guests who refer their friends to us because mm-hmm. because of that, we've been introduced to some really great, uh, great guests great musicians that we weren't familiar with. And I'm always finding music that uh, is going to stick with me. And I got to tell you the last couple of weeks, I have probably listened to your song 40 days and 40 nights, like 20 times. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I can out, I can, I can one up you because I've list, I list, I love the lo-fi EP. I, I want enough rope played at my funeral. Like that is one of my favorite songs I've ever heard. It reminded me of when I heard "Guilty" by Matthew Ryan for the first time. It's like mm. makes the hair you know on my arms and stand up. That's that's just a tremendous song. That whole that whole EP is great, Claudette. Really good. Half Mile Hill, uh, uh, Forty Days and Forty Nights, and that's a an absolute fantastic version of uh, "Try a Little Tenderness." Uh, speaking of Otis Redding, right? Yeah. Um, well, guys, that's very kind of you to say. I really appreciate that. It's funny you say about the funeral song. Um, that's basically what it is, right? You know, like I, yeah. I remember writing that song and just being so terrified of it. You know, like I was like, Shh. Uh, we, <laughs> I've, I've looked, at, I've glimpsed into the future. I'm not supposed to be writing this right now, and uh, because one of my favorite songs is uh, "Rock and Chair" by the band. You know, which is kind of, I think of that as a funeral song. So that's kind of what I was trying to rip off. But uh, yeah, I, I, I love that song. I don't I don't get uh, to talk about it all that much, really. I think it's too depressing for most people, which I understand. Oh, no, I, I thought, I, no, I love it. Like I say, one of my favorite songs of all time. Wow. Thanks, man. 
never did make master sergeant Was never too good at kissing ass I guess I could have tried a little bit harder There's always that But money talks and liquor whispers And I have listened to them both Chance is slim, fate is fickle, life is short, there you go. And I've learned less than I've forgotten, and there's still more I wish I didn't know. And a man will hang himself most likely. If you give him enough rope. So, so you, you've kind of brought up the, the uh, enough rope inspiration. So what's the inspiration behind 40 Days, 40 Nights? There's got to be a story behind that. Yeah, there's, you know, uh, I'm trying to think. So this has been 2011, I think I wrote that song. Uh my dear friend, Mark Selby, who is past now, uh, but he's a great songwriter, guitar player. He wrote Blue on Black for Kenny Wayne Shepherd, And he oh, and his nice. wife wrote like, There's Your Trouble for the Dixie Chicks. And his wife, Tia Sillers, actually wrote, I Hope You Dance. Uh, ah. So I was writing at a publishing company in Nashville at the time. And uh, I just got set up to write with these people. And honestly, I was so stupid and so young. I didn't really know anything about them. I show up to their house. It's kind of a gloomy, dreary, rainy November day. And uh, I go in, I walk in, I'm soaked. I, back then I had these boots that always had holes in them. They were just old and ratty. And Tia, Tia made me take my shoes off and put them by the fire. And I was very insecure. And then I'm sitting next to one of the best guitar players in the world. Anyway, I started just sort of playing that that little chord progression. And the evening before I had watched, I don't even remember the, the name of the, of this movie that had something about days in it. I can't remember. Um, and we were playing and noodling around and I just kind of, I kind of started writing down the first verse and as, as we're kind of getting to know each other and everything. And uh, my father was a Southern Baptist preacher. So, I mean, I know the Bible as well as anybody who's as, as heretical as I am. Um, but so, you know, I, I love that gospel element. I love the title. I love 40 Days and 40 Nights. And I think at the time, too, I was I was with a girl and we were, you know, it was just it was hard. And and I, the, the point of that song was just to say, like, yes, things are hard and things are really crap at times. But that doesn't mean you give up. You hold on to each other, you know. And I think if we can make it, if we can weather this storm, we'll be OK. Um. That's not how it worked out, but you know, there you go. (laughs) But you got a good song out of it. Got a good song out of it. And, uh, I was really lucky. That song's actually been just a great thing for me. Opened some doors and been on a few TV shows and films and stuff like that. So very proud of it. It's always, always good to have a few placements. Yes, I will. uh, All the time. Please give me more. (laughs) (laughs) Pass the point of pride now. Nothing left to hide now And if it falls apart You can call my heart A liar Just give me Forty days And 
So if I look at Spotify, it doesn't look as though you've really released a lot of new music over the last couple of years. Are you are you doing some other projects? Are you in some bands? What what's what's been going on? Well, actually, uh, we were in uh, not a, a a dispute, but not really a dispute with one of my publishing companies over the years. So I actually have a record called Hi-Fi that we put out in 2015 or 16. I can't, no, uh, 17. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, and that's going to actually be going back up in the next couple of weeks. It had to get pulled. It, was, you know, it wasn't that big a deal. It's just one of those things where the publishing company was in a dispute with Spotify. So they had to take all their uh, stuff off of it till they settled. They settled. It'll be back up. But no, that's also true. I mean, uh, I'm in the process of making a new record right now. The last two or three years have just been nonstop touring. Um, and then uh, I've also producing records. So depending on what project I have going on, which is not a ton that would, you know, I'll be focused on that. And the last year I, I took the last year off to uh, write a novel. And that's kind of why I'm back here, back out here in Santa Fe to finish it up and finishing edits on that, send to my publisher and uh, a book of poetry. And I'm just, yeah, I, I, I'm a big believer in, uh, I think there is some merit to, you know, sort of constant content. And I think that is a way that some people um, continue to build their careers or continue to stay in front of their audience. And I think that's valid. Um, to my mind, it's it's important for me to make music when it's important for me to make music and not just make music because, well, it's been, you know, nine to 18 months we need to put out a record or whatever and, yeah you know i spent a lot of time on music road at different publishing companies just writing a ton of songs and uh and i got and it was great because i got very good at doing it and i learned how to actually be a proper songwriter um but at this point in my life i just don't want to write anything i'm not passionate about i don't want to record anything i don't care about and i'm not going to put out anything that's not absolutely important to me and yeah. at the end of this book writing process now uh, I can feel that muse coming back to me and I'm writing things and I'm really um, that, that are meaningful uh, to me. And as much as I want the audience to love what I do, it has to start with it being meaningful to me. So I'm excited about making music again. And uh, I'm hoping well, next year, I mean, assuming we can all get out of our bunkers, I, I'm <laughs> hoping will be a big year between the novel and the uh, book of poems and a new record. So very good. Hopefully. So I'm also an aspiring novelist and, um, if I can ever maybe, um, stop being so busy with putting out this podcast, Wayne, maybe I'll <laughs> finish it. So what's, so what's the secret to actually getting, getting a, a novel done? Is it just unplugging and, and eliminating all those other distractions? Um, well, I guess that would depend on what your distraction is. You know, Larry McMurtry is one of my favorite writers, oh, yeah. uh, you know, right. Terms of endearment, lonesome dove, not lonesome stuff. dove. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean the great, my favorite book of all time. Right. Uh, he talks about one of his books. I think it's someone's darling, somebody's darling, which is a great, great book, but he talks about like, it takes years to get to a place mentally to actually start putting pen to paper. And I would say that was true for me too. Like you just want, it's such a daunting task as a songwriter. I'm writing for three or four minutes. I'm writing, 
you know, a hundred words and you got to blow that out to 70,000 words. That's terrifying Two, I'm not as smart as Cormac McCarthy or Sam Shepard or Annie Pruel, you know, or Willa Cather. I'm not, I'm just not. So you can, you can get to a point within yourself and just be like, what's the, what's the point then if I can't write the crossing or if I can't write the last picture show, what's the point of even doing this? And then at some point you either just become so delusional or you're just so in love with whatever your idea is. You just start. And I mean, I probably thought about this for four or five years, told all my friends I'm going to write a book and blah, 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 you know? And then one day I, I, so I haven't had a laptop in years. I went to a Best Buy and I bought an Acer laptop that cost me like $120. (laughs) But all it does is have a, you know, Google docs on it. And one day I just started writing and, you know, that was about eight months ago. And and at this point we're through, you know, two rounds of edits and everything. It really came at a different, at, at a different speed than I expected once I started. But I also felt like the last few years has been a lot of like unintentional preparation, just sitting around thinking about it. You know, at the same time, I'm also a single guy that, you know, I travel a lot and it's just me and my dog. So my distractions are really my only, my own created distractions. So if I can get out of my own head, it's easy for me to write. Yeah. Yeah. I still have kids at home. So, well, let's see. That's, that's more. (laughs) Those are distractions right there. (laughs) I will say though. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I will say like, if if you're, and this is to anybody that's listening to this, I was having this conversation with a friend of mine who wrote a wonderful book. Uh, Allison Moore wrote this incredible book called blood that came out last year, a memoir. And we were talking about like the fun thing about actually committing to putting something down on paper, which it doesn't, it can just be a couple of pages to start. I think you'll, you get like this sense of like, you kind of get off on it a little bit. You go back and you read it again. You're like, oh, man, that was a clever turn of phrase there. Like, oh, I like how this is hitting me. And that that it's like listening to a song that you just wrote that inspires you to do more and just keep going and keep going. And some days you're going to write it and you're just going to look at it. And you're just like, this is complete and utter nonsense. I do that about every three days. But I go back to other parts that I like. and I'm just like, no, 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 I, I, I can do this. You know, I mean, it's just it's just the feeling of doing a job well done. Yeah. Yeah. I still have uh, I still have the sticky notes on one of my walls of uh, trying to map out the novel from start to finish. Love so, that. I'm very big my, on serial killer walls. Yeah, I totally have a serial killer wall. Yeah, so, me too. Now it's been a couple of years since I put all the sticky notes up, so half of them are missing now. But uh, <laughs> it's still it's still the reminder of I need to get off my uh, off my butt and and finish it. So. <laughs> there you go well All there right. may be you may be able to fill those holes with even better ideas there you go i hope so i hope mm-hmm. so all right um last question so on your instagram you posted a link to fair fight to mm-hmm. tell us about fair fight so uh i did a live stream uh over the summer fair fight's an organization started by uh stacy abrams who ran to be the governor of Georgia in 2018. And, you know, not for nothing, in my opinion, in the opinion of a lot of very smart people, had that election stolen from her by Brian Kemp, who was the secretary of state in the state of Georgia at the time. There was some 
fishy things going on with uh, people losing their registration, whatever. That's not, this is not the political podcast, but what Stacey Abrams group is fighting for voting rights, fighting for voting rights of ex felons, fighting for uh, getting out the voter registration, um, uh, disenchanted uh, voting blocks and maybe just don't vote ever. That's what they're reaching out for. But the biggest thing is that everyone has the right to cast a free and fair vote in this country. And between and in, in some districts, that's a lot harder to do. In some states, it's a lot harder to do. And so basically, fair fight is just trying to level the playing field so that everyone's vote counts uh, from this election moving forward in, in perpetuity. And I'm hoping that my vote counts for this one. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too, (laughs) man. I'm Jeff Johnson. And I'm Kyle Jellings. We're just two friends who decided to do a podcast together. Well, actually, I work for you. You can pay your friends, Kyle. People do that. I am contractually obligated to be here. On the Who Did It First podcast, we explore the mysteries of the universe. More like just your general curiosities. Do you want to keep getting paid to do this? The mysteries of the universe. This is the Who Did It First podcast on the Outpost Media Podcast Network. On this show, we explore how things got their start. From the first person to milk a cow to the first person to get a haircut, we try to find out who did it first and why and try to have some fun doing it. Subscribe today wherever you download your podcasts. So, so Rick, tell tell our listeners what record you chose to revisit for this episode. So, I have a very interesting memory of uh, when I was about four years old. My dad went to buy a new car, and I went with him to the car dealership. We went on a test drive, and I remember pitching a fit because he couldn't play the cowboy song. And that was what I knew it as, as a four-year-old. And the cowboy song was Sunday morning coming down from Christopherson's first record uh, released in 1970. And so when I tell you that this was a formative record for me, um, it was a part of my, it's a part of my heritage. It's part of my DNA. It's a part of, you know, by, by a very young age, I knew that, that Jesus was real in whatever way you, you know, that (laughs) going to church as a kid, I knew, you know, who was, who was playing, whether it was Dwayne or Dickie on live at the Fillmore. And I knew that this gravelly throated guy that wrote these songs, I didn't understand, but somehow connected to his name was Chris Christopherson. And I thought what a strange name, but I love these songs. And, this guy's the coolest guy I've ever heard in my entire life. And oh my God, can I grow up and be him? And in some ways I did and not all the good ways. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, so that's what we're talking about today is uh, I believe it's just Chris Christopherson. It's a self-titled LP. Yep. From 1970. 1970. Um, his debut record, even though, um, well, as we talk about each of the songs, we'll talk about, uh, some of them were written well before the record mm. came out. Um, I, I have to say this was the first time that I listened to the record in, in its entirety. I, mm. I, I knew that I, I knew a number of the songs. I mean, we, we did an episode a uh, number of months ago, um, Wayne, about um, yeah. Janis Pearl. Joplin's Pearl. So mm. we have talked mm-hmm. about me and Bobby McGee. 
already. Um, But there are a number of songs that, um, you know, as I was going through it for the very first time, I'm like, this song sounds familiar. And then, you know, you do a little research. I'm like, oh, because this was sung by Johnny Cash or this one was sung by, you know, so-and-so, which we'll, as we go through each of the songs, we'll talk about. But um, yeah, a lot of these were already out there. And so Chris then decided, hey, I'm I'm going to record it on my own. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, my, well, I always heard, you know, he'd been sort of bumming around Nashville for a couple of years at this point, um, you know, trying to get his songs recorded, trying to make records, do all this stuff. You know, he was the janitor at uh, Omni, I think. Was it Columbia? Columbia, that's right. Columbia. Um, after he'd been served in Vietnam after he was a Rhodes scholar. I mean, he's just, he, again, he's, he's one of the most fascinating characters of the 20th century. And thank Christ he's Absolutely. still with us. Yeah. And he's in his eighties. Yeah. Um, and still, still out there. Like I, yeah. he, he was, he was here in Orlando two years ago on tour. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I wasn't, terribly familiar with with you know his entire catalog so i now i'm kicking myself after listening to this Mm -hmm. record and falling in love with it that i'm kicking myself that i didn't go see him um and then so you mentioned uh 1965 after he got out of the army moved to nashville um the the story that i like the most from all the research that i read was um (laughs) Because he was a helicopter pilot in the army, he also worked as a commercial helicopter pilot for um, Petroleum Helicopters International. Yeah, he was flying to offshore rigs, right, or something yeah. like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said that's where a, he named a couple of songs were written on oil platforms, waiting for wow. you know. A, Help me make it through the night was written on a oil platform. <sighs> What a song. And so weeks after this is, this is coming from Wikipedia. So may or may not be accurate. (laughs) Uh, It said uh, weeks after giving June Carter some tapes, because he asked, he asked June while he was doing the, the sweeping floors thing. He asked June to give Johnny cash a tape of his, which of course, you know, I'm sure every janitor under the sun was giving June and Johnny tapes of their stuff so christopherson then took one of the helicopters landed it in cash's front yard um that would of course grab some attention uh it says (laughs) the story about christopherson having a beer in one hand and some songs in the other upon arrival was reputed but has been disproven with christopherson saying it was still kind of an invasion of privacy that i wouldn't recommend to be honest i don't think he was there john had a pretty creative memory about it so <laughs> i but, heard him say i also heard him say one time uh i think i was at the ryman for one of his shows and he told that story and he was like it was subject to the effect of i wouldn't have been ha- i wouldn't have had a beer in the helicopter i might have spilled it or something like that you know <laughs> right, <what> I mean? <laughs> right uh either way uh cash finally heard sunday morning coming down recorded it and um I guess the rest is kind of history yeah, from there. Yeah. Yeah. How about as an actor? 
so after he he did some some uh, a few records, then he decided to try his hand at uh, acting. Uh, again, going to Wikipedia. So it says, as an actor, he's known for his roles in Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, Bloom and Love, Alice, Alice, yeah, Alice doesn't live here anymore. A Star Is Born, which earned him a a, a Golden Glove. Mm-hmm. Gold glove. Did I say gold glove? <laughs> gold glove. He was also a hell of a center Short fielder. <laughs> Absolutely. Golden globe. Big uh, speed. Yeah, there you go. And then of course Convoy. Which Five tool player. Yeah. Convoy uh with Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Huh? Well, not only so con the, the movies I remember most is Stars Born, Convoy, and North Dallas 40. That's right. Oh, North yeah. Dallas 40 is with yeah. Burt Reynolds. Convoy is with D- yeah, okay. Ernest Borgnine and Allie McGraw. <laughs> and Burt Young, yeah. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Allie McGraw. Mm. Oh, yeah. What a beauty. <laughs> Sorry. That's off topic. You just there we go. Yeah, there we go. Um, all right. What else What else do we want to say about Christopherson's life? Wayne, you got anything? To, you know, to me, this, this record, because um, I had never – I was guilty of not listening to it its entirety either. And I put, you know, I remember when we did the, the John Hammond country blues uh, record uh, podcast, this is like required reading. Like if you love music and you Mm. love, you want, you need to know where it came from, the people that it influenced and how this is like a textbook, really. This is like, this is something, if you love music, you have to listen to this. Like it's required reading, required listening. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, this is a it, this is a um, it's a touchstone text. This is this is what we've all been looking to do, and and in some ways, it's kind of like a a hidden text because it's not Dylan, it's not Springsteen, it's not even Tom Waits. Like you kind of even even in the the I think maybe now that we're so far removed from like his massive fame, because there was a time in the seventies, Christopherson was like the biggest movie star and one of the biggest rock stars in the world at the same time. You know, the star is born was a massive uh, hit is Barbra Streisand. She was the most famous person in the world. Um, but I think, you know, 40 years removed from that, um, you, if, if, if you're a person who loves songwriting or you love country music or singer songwriters, maybe, you know, who Christopherson is. Um, but I think it's useful to go back without this record. I don't think you have, you know, Southeastern, um, or, or, or Ryan Adams stuff like, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm blanking on names for everything now, but you know what I'm saying? Without this yeah. record, you don't have, and in some ways you don't have, you know, I think this is influence on uh, Springsteen and guys like that too. Uh, Springsteen's first record doesn't come out for another three years. Right. Right. Well, just Nebraska by itself is sure. It it has to be influenced by this. I'm looking at the awards that, that, um, and you know, we're going to talk about these songs, but in 1970, so how's this for, for, um, giving you some credibility. So, his song that was done by Ray Price for the good times won song of the year at the <laughs> Academy of country music, the Academy of country music's rival was the country music association. Well, Johnny cash won for his version of Sunday morning coming down. So the same <laughs> year, no one's ever done that. No. I mean, yeah. that's, that's just crazy. I think, 
It, it is crazy. And it, it's, it's one of those like uh, overnight success stories that, you know, takes 10 years in the making. Right. Cause I think right. Christopherson was already in his early thirties by this point. Um, it's a, in some ways that is a watershed moment for country music too, because you're coming out of the sixties and Ray Price and Roger Miller, um, Porter Wagner, uh, it's a little, it's just a different scene. This is the beginning of, you know, Christopherson, as much as Willie, as much as Waylon, as much as Merle and those guys really ushers in this era of sort of the bad boy outlaw type of thing. I mean, it was a big deal, a huge deal for Johnny Cash to sing wishing Lord that I was stoned on national television on his TV show. He was threatened that they would, you know, they'll cancel the show and everything. And the way, and you can watch that video. He looks straight in the camera, wishing Lord that I was stoned, and he just bites into it. And if if someone like Cash, who's you know sort of the the father of that era of country music, if someone like Cash doesn't take up for that song and for who Christopherson was and what he represented, I think country music history looks much different. Yeah, how how long was Christofferson's hair at this point? It, oh, see, and that's the other thing. This is an amazing album cover. If you guys want to go, yeah. it's, it's it's before the beard, so he's got clean shaven with the long hair. I mean, that's the other thing about Chris. He's like one of the most handsome men who's walked the earth. I, I, I met him maybe three or four years ago at an event, so he's 82 or 83, and he's still the best looking dude in the room. <laughs> <laughs> The reason why I was asking, so um, the the next episode that's coming out is on the birds, sweetheart of the rodeo, mm. and Graham Parsons. There's there's a story that the birds played at the Ryman and were essentially kind of booed off the stage because the 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 patrons there at the Grand Old Opry thought that they were hippies, and Graham even said that we had our, we had even cut our hair so that we didn't we didn't even look like hippies when they when they played um so the fact that you've got christopherson who you know he's he's got the long hair flowing on yeah. on the the record cover so and there's a you know he's when he accepts that award he's basically wearing i can't remember which one but he's basically wearing exactly what he's wearing on that on that cover it's sort of like brown kind of suit, but it doesn't really fit him very well. And he's got long hair and, yeah. and he just gets up there and he's like, I, I, what, what, what the hell is happening right now? You know, it's, it's actually a really sweet and cool accepted speech moment. Um, Cause I, I want to say it might've been cash that, that actually handed him the award. I can't remember, oh. but it's on YouTube. It's all out there. Gotcha. Going to have to go check that out. Wayne, did you want to say something? No, I'm just saying, you know, uh, I guess it would be about the outlaw movement. It, I always associated with Willie Nelson and Wailing Jennings. And after listening to this, it is clearly, I mean, Chris Christopherson was the catalyst for that. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can hear it in these songs. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys, what do you think is the most listened to song of Christopherson's on Spotify? Me and Bobby McGee. Oh, wow. That's funny because a lot of his biggest songs are sung by other people. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess I might have to go 
Sunday morning coming down. It's it's not there. Uh, Highwaymen, the one that oh, that's just, a trick you, question. Yep. Yeah. All the outlaws. Yep. All the outlaws. So his collaboration with Willie Whalen and jo- Johnny and yeah. I don't even need to mention any of their last names, do I? Um, <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> Hundred and nine million downloads or listens wow. on Spotify. So that is a great that is a great song. That's a cool record really too. Is. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Um, anything else? Background info on Christopherson before we dive into Christopherson? I think it'll come out. Yeah, it'll probably all come out. I have some right. thoughts on Christopherson, the man, but uh, I think it would be better utilized as we talk about these songs. There we go. Let's dive into it. So, as a all reminder, right. our scoring is based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record? Uh, 12. Which means top song is going to get 12 points. Next favorite, 11 points on down to low score of one. Let's kick this off and let's blame it on the Stones. So this is an interesting way to start off your recording career and start out your debut record. Um, And yeah, Chris is being sarcastic here that everyone in the late 60s was blaming the Rolling Stones for all their ills, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Um, Wayne, even though we're, you know, in 2020, Wayne is still blaming stuff on Keith Richards. I don't don't know. I don't blame somebody. It's not Keith. It's got to be Mick. Keith Richards takes credit for everything that went that went good. Like I read his biography, and I love that. I would love to have <laughs> Keith Richards. He takes credit for everything that went right, and anything that marginally went wrong, he he says it was it was Mick Jagger's idea. And so, <laughs> but I love he stuff. doesn't. He doesn't have very nice things to say about Bill Wyman either, which cracks me up. He just he kind of craps on Bill about half the book. It's hilarious. Yeah, he's. Uh, yeah, Bill Wyman just doesn't come out really good in anything. Uh, but I love this. This song is like, I think that it's a great way to start because this, this thing is saturated with sarcasm. Um, I love the way he created in the verse. He really has this, this melody that goes right along with Play With Fire and even Mother's Little Helper, which I feel like is absolutely referenced in like that second Interesting. verse. Um, he go, but then when he goes into the chorus, it's this big circus over the top, uh, you know, blame it on the Stones thing, which is absolutely something that they would do. And like his vocals are very, he has, he puts that little sinister effect that Mick would use on like sympathy for the devil and play with fire. And so I just thought it was a great, and the idea that a, a rock band is, is in any way the reason, you know, for the youth and counterculture is, at its point, even to this day, is ridiculous. Your parents and the establishment, the people that you see every day and live with, are much more have much more of a of a of, of an influence on you than any rock band. And and yet he really plays that up. And really, it's to me this is 
you know, in the beginning, he's going to start right out with social commentary. He's going to make, he's going to go drip it with sarcasm. But I thought this was a great way to start very outlaw. I try to find any info if the Rolling Stones actually ever commented about the song. I couldn't find anything. Did you find anything? Uh, the one page I was on said that they're, that Mick Jagger's pretty good about talking about himself and they had never heard him mention it. Okay. Hmm. If this was written today, what musical act would we blame all of our Kanye West? On? Kanye <laughs> West. Or, I mean, look, we just went through this uh, a couple months ago with the WAP. Uh, what's that? Cardi oh, yeah. B, right? Cardi you know, B. I mean, yeah. this is not this is this is a tale as old as time. What you were just saying, Wayne, is, is this outrage culture uh, of blaming it on a, a silly group of English boys in tight pants. You know, <laughs> no, it's it's that society has a lot of systemic problems. It's not because Mick Jagger is shaking his ass and, and singing about the devil. You know, I mean, obviously, Chris is is, is taking the piss out of all that in this. Uh, and it, you're right. I guess I'd never really, Wayne, you make a great point. I never really thought uh, what sort of a bold and audacious move it is to start your first record ever with uh, this biting social commentary. Now we can finish the episode because the, the guest has already said, you know, <laughs> attaboy Wayne. I love that. Wait, Wayne lives for those moments. Um, so we're we're gonna finish up now. All right, it was and- great to talk to you guys. I'm gonna go have a beer, uh, cook some dinner. There you go. All right, um, let's get some scores on this. So, um, Rick, what do you got? Okay, so after all that I just said uh, to you, Wayne, this is actually my lowest rated song, and it's uh, it's for the. Very specific reason is that I don't think, personally, as a in, in, in with the rest of these songs, like you can look at. And I'll, I'll reference some of these other songs as we go, but this to me is just the lesser of all of these twelve songs. As a, as commentary, I appreciate it. I just think in some ways it's a little bit left footed. It's a little ham fisted at times. And I only say that because Christopherson may be the greatest songwriter who ever lived. And this is just a B minus song when almost every other song on this record, I think is a B plus to an A plus times a billion. So I've got this at number. I've got this at one. Sorry, Wayne. Oh, no, I, I, I say upon first listen to because it is kind of abrasive and it doesn't sound like anything else on the record. And it doesn't even sound country. All of that by the you know, I put, I must have listened to this record six, seven times in the last week, uh, and that commentary and the and like you say, the bold the bold nature of like you know what I'm going to start a country record with a song that doesn't sound country and actually gets in people's faces and and says something that they may not if they're sharp enough to get like, and so by the <laughs> by the time I I went to making scores, I gave it a five. Yeah. Okay. And I'm I'm matching your five. All right, all right. Well, we're setting up some real conflict here. We're going to get in a fight, guys. That's it. That's that's what we live for. All right, next time, to beat the devil. He nodded at my guitar and said, it's a tough life, ain't it? I just looked at him. He said, you ain't making any money, are you? I said, you've been reading my mail. He just smiled and said, let me see that guitar. I got something you ought to hear. Then he laid it on me. If you waste your time talking to the people who don't listen to the things that you are saying, who do you think's gonna hear? 
And if you should die explaining how The things that they complain about Are things they could be changing Who do you think's gonna care? There were other lonely singers In a world turned deaf and blind Who were crucified for what they tried to show And their voice And first recording on of this was on Hello, I'm Johnny Cash from 1969. Um, of course, Johnny's version doesn't have the opening spoken part that Chris <laughs> does. Which is about Johnny. Yeah. yeah. Which is about Johnny. So, yeah. and I think that, I think that part is so key to it. Um, I, cause it sets up this, this whole thing. And I, I can say just on its structure wise, I love the spoken verse, the sung chorus. Um, I love I love that he differentiates between a bar and a tavern, like a, like an, like an mm-hmm. alcoholic or somebody in that place would do. And then, I mean, this guy's a Rhodes Scholar, but he puts this in this, not, not sillier, but this real folksy kind of down to earth kind of way. But yet he doesn't, he doesn't short anybody on, on, on some of these ideas. And like I say, the idea of the devil being uh, a person or even, just an idea from the from the verse or the chorus. I mean, he's the devil's talking about, you know, you're singing to people who don't care. You're, you know, there's all these things that you're telling them they can change if they just pay attention and they're not going to. And that's, you know, is does that first of all, the devil's the guy that offers a, a guy who says he's dry a beer. And he's one who tells you that that it's never gonna work. No one's gonna listen to you. You're never gonna, you're never gonna get what you want. And all of that said. The part that that I absolutely love about the song probably the most is when he goes to that kind of that climax and that punchline when he says, I ain't saying I beat the devil, but I drank his beer for nothing. And when he says, and I stole his song, you can then hear the sm- song. You can hear the smile creep up on the corner mm-hmm. of his mouth. So just being able to do that in general is phenomenal. This is my favorite song. This is this is an incredible song. Um, I just I love everything about it. How about you, Rick? What do you like about this song? Uh, I, Wayne, I, I, I'm not, I'm not fluffing you here, but I agree about everything you just said. And uh, this is probably in my top three favorite songs of all time. Uh, so it would be no surprise that I gave this a twelve. Um, as as a person who has been very, very much so in, in a different time and age where this person is in this song. I've been broke. I've been trying to get people to listen to my songs in Nashville. I've walked into Bobby's Idol Hour with, you know, 11 or 12 bucks on me so I could just have a beer because I just got turned down by another publisher. Um, and, and, and the devil in this song is personified by this old man sitting at the bar, but it's the thing inside you. It's not the literal devil. It's the thing inside you. It's the voice in the back of your head that tells you you can't cut it and nobody cares. And I mean, what, when you kind of stole one of my uh, <laughs> one of my points here, because the, the, the devil haunts a hungry man. If you don't want to join him, you got to beat him. I ain't saying I beat the devil, but I drank his beer for nothing. Then I stole his song. Everything you said about that was so true. And that is the great kiss off. But in some ways, the, the line for me is the very last line that you hear, because I don't believe that no one wants to know. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. 
Yeah, what it takes to do this to 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 get up every morning and beat your head against the wall is just that like blind faith that it will work out that somebody cares that you know because you start doing you start writing songs or whatever it is maybe it's like when you're younger you want to like maybe look cool in front of a girl or whatever but initially if you stick with it long enough you what you're doing all the time is trying to express something to someone else that you could not otherwise express with just your words and if you don't believe that someone out there wants to hear what you're trying to express, then what is the point? And that's why I love this song so much. It's funny and it's clever and it makes me smile. It makes me cry, but it also just fills me with hope. And that's why it's one of my favorite songs ever. Very nice. But everybody knows that really the way that you beat the devil is that you play your fiddle better than him. Like Charlie Daniels. <laughs> Everybody knows that. So. I mean, if I could play the fiddle until then, I just had to drink with him. That's right. That's right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So Rick, we already got your score. This is your top. Yes. This is my 12. Yes. Wayne, did you say this was I, also your absolutely top? Absolutely. My favorite song. Awesome. All right. And this was my nine. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. Next song is me and Bobby McGee. Feeling good was easy, Lord, when Bobby sang the blues. Buddy, that was good enough for me. Good enough for me and Bobby McGee. We've already talked about this song. Uh, of course, Wayne. Um, seems a long time ago. That was over a year ago. Do you realize it? Wow! No, I didn't. Uh, I know that. I mean, lyrically, this is a this is a great song. You can you hear it. Um, but she just the thing that that dropped this down for me, where you wouldn't farther than maybe you would think, is because Janis Joplin like took this song by force and and made it her own to the point where I, I'm sure if I asked my kids, you know, who wrote me and Bobby McGee, they would, they would all say Janis Joplin. Uh, mm. She just like, she, she pulled a, a Elvis Costello to his, what's so funny about peace, love and understanding Nick Lowe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Nick Lowe probably doesn't, you know, he can play that song, but everybody thinks it's an Elvis Costello song. And to the, to the degree that she took it from him. So I guess what I'm saying is I think there's a different, this and the last song, I think he has a different feeling than the one that's portrayed by the the more popular version and I like it, but she just she, she just showed what this song can be, and so I never could really catch up to to his to his version of it. Yeah, like when she's singing, you know, the 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 real great line of "Freedom's just another word for yeah, nothing." Yeah, there's two left different places when, that that line comes oh, from two completely different places. Um, they're still valid, but but yeah, you like you can see you can feel where he's coming from that. You know, freedom is free, but it, what did he he said something about? But it ain't easy because there's you got nothing. I mean, it's it's not easy to be that free. Um, but where she sings it, you just you you can't help but sing along and and just want to ride around in big trucks with strange truck drivers. <laughs> right, that's pretty much it. Rick, what do you got on me and Bobby McGee? 
Yeah, this is uh, in some ways I, I kind of am going to agree with Wayne on this one too because it's 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 one of the greatest songs in rock and roll history, and Janice singing it, especially the the fact that it came out you know after her death, I believe, um, it's just such a seminal moment. It's a it's a thing in time. Me personally, I like the Christopherson's version. I just. I just, it's more my style, but you know, and and because I've heard it so many times because it's kind of, I feel bad doing this, but I just put it kind of in the middle of the pack. It it would be very rare for me if I were listening to this record to, to listen to that song all the way through, I would listen to the intro. If it sounds country, man, that's what it is. (laughs) That's great. It's a country song. Yeah. That's, uh, that one, great. two, three. I mean, that's just as, as beautiful as it gets, but it's just not one of my favorites. Uh, so it's like kind of middle of the road for me on this. It's a six. All right. And then Wayne, I gave it an eight and I will say this I, at one point in my life, I thought the only two songs that Chris Christopherson wrote were Sunday morning coming down and me and Bobby McGee. And even if that mm-hmm. was true, he would still be one of the most <laughs> accomplished songwriters in the history of songwriting. Yeah. Yeah. And Wayne, I, I would agree. And this is what's really weird. We're going to agree a lot on this record, um, which doesn't happen very often. So this is also my eight. Ah. All right. Next song. Next song is Best of All Possible Worlds. Well, that was when someone turned out the lights. And I wound up in jail to spend the night. And dream of all the wine and lonely girls In this best of all possible worlds well, I And Rick, I'm going to let you talk first because Wayne keeps stealing your thunder. So <laughs> He really does. This is some great ABS, Wayne. Uh, if, if you're going to take my points, don't do them as eloquently as you've been doing them, okay? Just give me 10% less. <laughs> okay. All right. So this one's kind of, this one might be up a little bit higher for me than you guys. This is a sneaky Christopherson song. I associate this with a memory from my childhood. Um, well, I woke up next morning feeling like my head was gone and like my thick old tongue was licking something sick and wrong. For whatever reason, that line, my thick old tongue was licking something sick and wrong, cracked my father up. He thought it was one of the funniest things in the world. So he would play that and then laugh and then rewind the cassette tape and then laugh some more. Um, and, you know, and <laughs> add, add to that that I just think it's a fantastically brilliant, biting, sarcastic song in the same way. Like I liken that to uh, uh, subterranean homesick blues or something like that, you know, where it's just yeah. in your face. Um and it's just a, it's just an incredibly funny, fun song to listen to. And in my adult years, I've had my own run-ins with the police. And whenever it happens, I think about this song. So there you go. I give it a nine. Excellent. Ah. I, and I love that lyric. I also have um, highlighted, if booze was just a dime a bottle boy, you couldn't even buy the smell. The whole thing is just a series of zingers. It's yeah. great. What I think, what I love most about the song is it's subversive because it disguises this very biting social commentary with a country western melody and some kind of you know and humor, and it makes it sound funny. But this guy is assaulted by the cops. He's ridiculed by the cops. <laughs> he's 
He's threatened by the police. And so, but the whole, but I do, and his attitude, because this, I believe he had to change the lyric from poor and black, uh, black and poor to low down and poor, which oh, would have given it a whole, which would have been probably, I guess the record company was, was trying to, trying to save him, but that's where he was. And I mean, that's from what I've, I read something he had taken up before. Like he had written essays on racial instances. Uh, no kidding. As far back as high school. So, but the way he, like I say, it's completely subversive. He gets a bunch of people who are turning blind eye to these redneck cops and the way they treat hobos and hippies and black people. And he just sang it to their faces and probably made them smile and sing along. But yeah, probably made them laugh. And it's subversive. Wow. And I mean, there's still a lot of drinks that I ain't drunk. Lots yeah, of pretty thoughts not. that I ain't thunk. He's making fun of him all himself too, because he everybody knows he's a Rhodes Scholar. Lots of pretty thoughts that I ain't thunk. Oh yeah, yeah. Lord, there's still so many lonely girls. I mean, it's just everything about it is just a joke within a joke within a joke right. about a very serious topic. Yeah, this guy's not taking it either. I mean, he's not. He's he's giving it back to the cops every time they give it to him. I mean, what's that one was like? I, I, and I'd be leaving town if I knew what was good for me. And he's like, it's, I said, it's nice to learn that everybody's so concerned about my health. He's, <laughs> he's given it right back as much, you know, and I'm, I've, I've had the same kind of relationship with law enforcement. I was just going to say me too. This guy is, this, yeah, this guy doesn't, he's not backing down. He's, he's to some degree, I think in the best of all possible worlds, he's saying this happens to me all the time. I'm, I can't, I can't get bogged down because this is just going to happen to me again. Yeah. Whether that's of his own fault or not, it doesn't appear because he was just standing there drinking. When I think that I think they missed the, the the line where it says, "and that's when the lights went out." That cop knocked him out. Yeah, like it's that's a that that's not that is serious. But he he puts it in here, in very with using a lot of humor and this real jangly country western melody. Uh, and he just slips it right under the radar of most people. Well, and with this song, and then we'll also talk about uh, laws for protection of the people and blame it on the stones. He's also sort of positioning himself as this countercultural person, because the reason why he gets smacked by the cop or knocked out by the cop is because, yes, he's drinking. But you also at this point, we know who this guy is and he's probably his hair's a little bit too long and his bell bottoms are a little bit too wide or whatever that thing is. And he's really setting himself up in the, in the world of country music as a countercultural figure with all. And he's just kind of doubling down the more we go through this. And we're about to get to the next song, which which is going to bring me to my other point that I love about Christopherson. And I'll hold on that. But well, the fact that he's the guy building, you just described sounds like an outlaw. Exactly. He's building this <laughs> mythos in real time, you know. And and it and as we said before, it was before all those other guys. I mean, Cash was an outlaw, and, and uh, you know some of the Jerry Lee Lewis and some of those other guys, but uh, it's in a different way. And he probably drives a semi truck <laughs> along with a bunch of other semi truck drivers and a convoy. Yeah, <laughs> oh, Burt Young. Yeah, that comes a few years. You later. got me thinking right. about Allie McGraw again. Yeah, I'm uh, I know. I'm sorry. All right. Um, one thing that we didn't bring up was originally recorded by Roger Miller, which I thought was I didn't know that. interesting because mm-hmm. I thought Roger Miller was kind of like this uh, old country squeaky clean type of guy, and this is not this is not yeah, his I, typical. I think it went, but it's like when I made that comment about when uh, James Taylor tricked you know he punked Elvis 
Presley into singing a song that was yeah. a, a complete joke, uh, making fun of white guys who sing blues songs. Like, I don't know that Roger Miller, I'm not trying to criticize him in any way because he's a very talented artist, but I don't, I think he may have missed the real point. This, the voice I always heard was Dave Dudley because he, he, he kind of gives it this, I purposefully gives it this kind of humorous borderline novelty way of delivering it. And uh, I just, I can say, Maybe Roger Miller's more highbrow than I thought. You got it. So this Otherwise, is this is Chris's steamroller. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, steamroller blues. All right. <laughs> um, and this was re-recorded by the Highwaymen. So 1990, oh. they uh, they they re-recorded this song. So we'll go check that out later. All right. Did uh, did I get scores yet? I don't think I got scores. Wayne, what do you got? A ten. Uh, yeah, and I had I had a nine, and this is my eleven. Wow! So, so nice. Rick, we um we um we surprised you, yeah, because wow. you said we we didn't you didn't think that this was going to score us. I mean, the it. thing is, just there's so many incredible songs on this record. Sometimes that one can get yeah. lost. Yeah. All right. Next song is "Help Me Make It Through the Night." Help me make it through the night. Lord, it's sad to be alone Help me make it through tonight And this was one of those songs that I was like, oh, I've heard this before. Um, that's because yeah. it was most known for Sammy Smith, who topped the charts. I don't, I don't know if anybody didn't cover this song in the 70s. Yeah, this was covered there was a, by... There was a lot of... Yeah. This is where I think we get to the other side of Christopherson, the romantic, you know, he's, he has this way of being intensely emotional and overly romantic, um, like Shakespeare while maintaining this sort of tragic dignity and, and like the, just overt manliness is the way I would put it. And I don't mean like sort of in a toxic masculine way. I just mean that there's a, there's a level of comfort that he has as a man with saying romantic things and meaning them to another person. So this one and uh, for the good times, a couple other songs on this record that I feel like this is where if, if depending on who you were and you were like, tell me about Christopherson, this would be one of the songs that I would, one of the top two or three songs that I would play for someone for that reason, because I think he is the outlaw poet genius. Um, The little bit messed up, you know, savant. And he's also like this broken man who's just looking for love and willing to say, I'm looking for love or, or spend your time with me or, you know, and he just, and he also just has such a beautiful way of putting all these things. Yeah, I'm looking at all the people who have covered this. So, Wayne, you you prompted me to do a Google search. Tammy Wynette, Loretta Lynn, Glenn Campbell, Dottie, Dottie West, Joan Baez, Jerry Lee Lewis, Elvis Presley, yeah, Ray Stevens, Willie Nelson, and Mariah Carey. Huh. Oh, and, and Gladys Knight and the Pips. Wow. And that one actually charted on the R&B side of things. 
Huh. Interesting. Yeah, it's a big one. So uh, anyway, for me, I have that. Wow. After I gave all that beautiful defense of what the amazing (laughs) song it was, I only had it at seven. So I I might be reaching for straws here. I, I might be being too cute, but I have it at seven. All right. Wayne, what do you got? Um, like I say, this song was done by so many people in the, in the 70s. And I think, once again, like me and Bobby McGee and like Sunday Morning Coming Down, I think his, his that's desperation and this absolute craving for human, you know, contact and companionship gets, gets lot, a lot of pretty voices sex it up. And I guess that's what I'm used to hearing. So it, it, it drove it down a little bit. I gave it, I gave it a four, but by hmm. But once again, and I love that it's inspired by a quote, quote he was reading Esquire, an interview of Frank Sinatra in Esquire magazine. And they said, you know, what do you believe in? And he said, booze, broads, Bible, whatever helps make, helps me make it through the night. And so like just to hear like a, a great songwriter hears a line like that and writes a whole complete narrative around it. And, it, and it's a great song. It's just one of those songs that I've heard some very pretty voices do it in a much, I guess, more uh, accessible way. And I got brainwashed by that, by the, the 10 mm. years I spent in the 70s. <laughs> there hmm. you go. All right. So what was your score? Four. All right. And this was my 10. Oh, wow. I like it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, Wayne. There's nothing to, to dislike about this song. It's one of the greatest love songs of all time. But, you know, <laughs> everybody's saying it. I get that. All right, next song is The Law is for the Protection of the People. Profits scaring decent folks like you and me. This is another in that canon that uh, subversive thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. This should have been in Convoy. Yeah, this <laughs> is in your faith, though. Yeah, he's not, he, he's making it clear this time. This is, this is outlaw. This is pointing a finger at the, at, the at Ernest Porknight and at, at everybody. <laughs> And not, I mean, this, there's it's sarcastic. There's plenty of that, but it is there is finger pointing going on here. Absolutely, and I mean, he's also he, he's going straight to the heart of the matter. Uh, don't wonder who them lawmen was protecting when they nailed the savior to the cross. Yeah, that's you know he really he goes for it. Yeah, that's what separate. That's and I I this and uh, all best of all possible words were virtually, I mean, like it was a tie. Like I had to make a decision and go with what 10 and a nine. And mm. um, because this, to me, the the punch in the face is when he brings up Jesus, like he mentions, you know, hippies and drunks and how it takes six cops to subdue a guy that's falling down drunk or a guy who's done nothing wrong, but have long hair is actually forced, you know, his civil rights abused and he is He's forced to, you know, his hair is cut by six strapping brave policemen. And then at the end, he just punches those people in the face and says, you know what? Because, I mean, who were the guys that were leading Jesus up to the hill where they where he hung up? He was put on his uh, on the cross that he was carrying. Those were policemen for all intents and purposes. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and he, I can say that is a sucker punch that they absolutely deserve. So you're saying we've had issues with the police dating back to the meridian of time? Well, yeah. thankfully not and anymore. All those, yeah. all those problems are solved now. We don't have to deal with that anymore. Yeah. Thank God. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you were pretty that high on this one. I, I did like, uh, <laughs> I hope, please, please, I hope everyone understands that how dripping that was with sarcasm. Um, so I had this at a five, uh, but Wayne, you you had it up much higher. Oh, I I, lo- I got I gave it a nine. I love wow. social commentary. I love I love that. You know what? Throw Jesus in their face. I mean, the you know the the police force is is an is an is an arm. I mean, somebody's wagging that dog, and to to pull the mask off and, you know, kind of put that out there for everybody to see, I think is brave. And this was 1970. It might not get anybody to blink nowadays, but in 1970, it had to have ruffled some feathers. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I just want to make a point here. Um, I don't know, Wayne, personally, I don't know you, um, but I feel (laughs) like me uh, wanting to do this album has effectively radicalized you. And, I apologize if in the future you see like Wayne's out there leading Antifa against whatever or whatever's in the president's mind right now. I didn't mean to to flip this switch in his brain and make him a revolutionary, but I am glad I did. And I'm here yeah, for it. And I will serve in your army any day, Wayne. Yeah. Thank you. The flame was already there. This was just like, you know, somebody gave me a, uh, some moonshine to just pour it on there. <laughs> Wayne and Wayne doesn't need much coaxing. Just good, so. I, good, good, good. I, I love to get worked up. <laughs> I used to be an angry young man. Now I'm just, now I'm just angry. <laughs> yeah. Um, did I get everybody scored? This is my seven. Okay, it was five for me. I'll tell you why it's my seven when we get to the end. So, Wayne, what was your score? A nine. Okay. All right. Uh, this is where we flip the record over, and so this is Casey's last ride. Oh, she said, I suppose you seldom think about me. Now she said, now that you've a family of your own. Still, she said. You guys know that Emmy Lou Harris does a cover of this? I did not. No. It's uh, it's pretty good, but um, she changes the she changes the the meaning of it where it's really sung from the female standpoint. Mm. Oh, oh I, I think what he I think what he did there was actually probably one of the coolest things uh, is because when those there's two different female parts and when you listen to them all kind of broken up, it almost it could. In different parts, it could be his mother, his mistress, his wife. I mean, there's all of these women in his life that you, it's hard to, it's almost like it's there. He's hearing them speak at different times. If you, if you listen to it, it's uh, like I say, in a songwriting concept, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. And the way he, I mean, it has this darkness. And even if it wasn't called Casey's last ride, there is something very fatal 
and final in the way he sings it and the and the and his choices of words. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Well, I, I never really thought about the um, how it could be um, sort of an analog for all different types of women in his life. Uh, and I mean, you know, I just I, I'm looking here, I'm, I'm seeing it the the uh, the lyrics, and I, just as a work of literature, it's absolutely stunning. Um, and then the drama that he, you know, he kind of, it's, it's kind of a two act play. Um, and you know, if I didn't know who this was, uh, you know, if you just, if you sent me this as a thing, I'd be like, Oh, well, this is cool. This is from uh, Sam Shepard play from the seventies or something. Right. Um, I'm looking for a line in particular, just to kid, just, just the way that there's, there's a certain, like, I, the other thing I love about Christopherson, he has this really sort of classic way of speaking. Um, and it's not just because he's an older guy. I, I mean, classic in the sense that like it's, it's ageless, it's timeless, just a kiss to make a body smile. Nobody talks like that, but we should, you know what I mean? Because that's a beautiful way to say what he's trying to say. And this, this song in particular in this record writ large is just littered with stuff like that. Now, all that said, it's not one of my favorites on the record. I just had it down at a two, but again, that's because there's so many incredible songs on this record. Yeah. Wayne, you, you scored this way higher than Rick and I did. Cause I'm Rick, I'm, I'm matching your two. Okay. For a lot of the reasons he just mentioned, like to me, this very much is a, is a literary piece. And I love the fact that he doesn't, there's not a lot of details, but I can feel this guy on the end of his tether. And but he's never very specific about what he does, where he's going. Um, I mean, it's we we can gather it's New York City, but there's all it's there's a there's a lot of ambiguity. There's a lot a lot left to the imagination. But yet I I can I can feel this guy at the end of his rope. Um, so for so I I love it from a literary like as a piece of literature. Yeah, we also haven't really mentioned much, um, if at all about there's some real interesting musicality on this record too. Like the way that the, the, the band is playing this, like, boom, 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 boom. it's really, there's this, like this existential dread that you get from the first couple of bars and they just lean into it. And then, you know, these sort of scene changes that he's using when he's going and speaking to whoever this woman is. So I, we haven't really talked much about the musicality of it, but there are some really interesting choices being made. And, and especially on that song, I think, sort of really going for it musically serves it well. And we're going to talk about like Darby's castle and stuff like that. And it, some similar type of stuff. Yeah. All right. Did I get scores on all this? Two. Seven. This was my two. All right. Mm-hmm. Next song is just the other side of nowhere. My heart and home. Sick of spending Sundays wishing they was Mondays. Sitting in a park alone So give my best to anyone Who's left to ever done me And in loving we would wrong Tell them at the pride Of just the other side And nowhere's going home Taking nothing back to show that all these dues I pay But the soul I almost sold here And the body I've been given away 
Rick, get us started on this one. Uh, let me tell you something, guys. Um, I have walked around many a night, driven home from a gig, uh, you know, through the night with this song on repeat. Um, if you ever felt alone, you should just listen to the song and feel a little more alone. Uh, it's an extremely sad song set in this very, you know, lilting musical backdrop. Um, but it, it, it's sort of, it's sort of drills down on that sense that like, just because you're somewhere where you feel alone, there's always something waiting for you somewhere where you won't be alone. And I think that's something we all need to hear from time to time. Uh, this is one of my, my sister's favorite songs. So, uh, this is, it's a very special song to me again. Like I, I wish I could like baseline all these at like 10. Uh, but this for me is a song that I love. I, I never turn, I never shuffle off of it when it comes on. Um, but it's an eight for me. And I assume this is a song about trying to break into the business in Nashville. It's, it's what it always sounds like to me. You know, there's a park, yeah. uh, on the, on the circle at the Mumbrian there. And, uh, it's all music row. That's kind of what I think about when, when I, you know, him sort of shuffling down music row with a guitar and sitting in the park. Cause there's nothing else to do. And you're waiting for the bar to open and this, that, and the other. That's the same way I, I saw it too, was I assume Nashville um, trying to, you're trying to make it, but I mean, once again, he doesn't use it. He specifically doesn't use any names or places. Um, and it gives it that this is for all of the people who go to Nashville and try to make it. Mm -hmm. And this guy's cashing it out and going, but it's not like he's defeated. Like at some point he decides that what it's costing him isn't worth what he's going to get from it. And he goes back where people love him. Um, but it, but the way he, you know, just the other side of nowhere, it, it, it felt like it was for all the people who've, who've tried this and whether they stayed or they didn't stay, this song was for, getting leaving just the other side of nowhere and going to New York or Chicago or LA or Nashville and trying. And it felt like it was for them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This is my six Wayne. Also a six. And then Rick eight. All right. Next song is Darby's castle. Oh, it took 300 days for the timbers to be and the silhouette was seen for miles around And the gables reached as high As the eagles in the sky But it only took one night to bring it down when And this was another one that was originally released by Roger Miller in July mm. of 69. Uh, done by a bunch of other people, Bobby Bear, Roy Clark. I actually looked to see if Gordon Lightfoot did it because that is the voice I could just hear doing yeah. this song. Yeah. Mm. All right, Wayne. I want I want to hear your interpretation of the song. Go. Well, and I just want to point out that my score is not indif- indicative of how much I of how much I like the song and how a well crafted song this is. Um, I am as guilty of as anybody. Uh, at least as Darby of obsessing over something that I thought was what was best for my family or my marriage. And then, and not paying attention to the real people that were around me. So 
as as a song and what it's about, it's 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 very well done. But I just it it was too easy listening folky musically, and I and so I I lost it lost some. And these are like I said once again at a collection of great songs. Yeah. Rick, what do you got on Darby's Castle? Yeah, that's a, I would echo some of that as well. Um, it's a beautiful, beautifully crafted song. It's just, I mean, I, it's hard to even say this about a Chris Christopherson song. It's, it's not that interesting of a story. It's, it, and you know, it's a, it's a tale as old as time. I mean, we, 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 we are, we as humans can be obsessive. We can lose. And that's not to say that it's not done very well. It's just not something that, that, uh, it, it just comes up a little bit lacking as a song stacked up against some of these other songs that are working on so many different levels. And it is beautiful. I would, I would disagree about, I love the music of it. I like how it's kind of folky and, and group sing in some parts. And, uh, but all that said, it, could, it, it just slides into number three for me. And all that said, we haven't even addressed it. Helen Darby is a whore. <laughs> All right, sorry. Lonely. <laughs> she was lonely. Yeah, she yeah. Could say, yeah he was, all right, all right. Well, I love the fact that he burned the place down, though. I thought that was a nice touch that well, you don't always get on un- a first couple of listens. Unanswerable well, the question. House burned out. <laughs> unanswerable question. True. Did the he? Did he burn? Out. Did he burn it down with them? To, with them in it. I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to throw Darby under the bus like that. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. I just know the house burned down. True. Or did or did Helen burn it down? Yeah. I'm a Darby truther, so I I, I believe that he burned it down with all of them in it. And that, that's why, you know, that's why it's a great tale, because it's a murder suicide. There you go. D- I didn't mean all to right. go that dark tonight, guys, but I you know ah. I, I'm 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 about an hour behind on my beers, so it's all good. It's all good. It's all I good. front loaded mine, so I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh this is my three, Wayne. Also a three. Three. Three's all the three's all across the board. Three's across. All right. Next is for the good times. Close to Hear the whisper of the raindrops blowing soft against the window. And make believe you love me. One more time for the good times. And I'm looking at scores, so we better start with Rick because I think we're going to disappoint you, Rick. Oh, guys, this is maybe the greatest breakup song that's ever been written. To start a song, a conversation with someone that you love, that it's ending and say, don't look so sad. I know it's over. Whether whether you can actually do that with a straight face or not, I think probably Chris Christopherson's saying, but what a dignified move. And it, this is just such a graceful song. There's, this is just, a, you know, I, I, and I, I guess this sort of informs my own worldview on relationships too, is that uh, I was talking to a friend of mine about this the other day. When, when you love someone, and when they love you back, that will always be. 
even if you end up hating each other at some other point in life, but there will be a moment in time that will echo into eternity where you were loved by someone and you loved them. And if we can keep that in mind as we go through our relationships, maybe we'll get better about hurting each other. Um, and to me, so like that's what it is to me, even less than let's just have one more time together to be close together for the good times. I think it's just a lesson in 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 grace to give one another. Um, so all that said, another one of my favorite songs in the whole world, and it's this number 10 for me. Now that I look at the lyrics and I listen to Rick, I now know why it, it went so low because I end relationships with both barrels. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, you know, you're never going to take me alive. <laughs> to me, it, it, and, and that makes, that probably is much more to do with it. It didn't have any of the meaty characters or the social commentary mm. and I had to give something a two, but yeah, that's not how I end things. So that's probably why I couldn't connect very well with it. Fair enough. And and this is my four, and let me tell you the reason why. Not that I don't like the song, but I have the record that Al Green sings this on, and I absolutely love his cover way more than I like. I have never heard that. I'm going to have to listen to that. Oh, it's fantastic. It's on his 1972 record, I'm Still in Love with You. All right. I just wrote that down. Yeah, it's great. Um, so this is my four. All right. And I kind of feel bad about it after Rick just <laughs> well, look, spoke eloquently and I want beautifully about everybody it. out there. I don't know what the email address is or anything like that, but everybody just, just email, get on the tweets or Instagram and just tell these guys how full of shit they are. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Batch wouldn't be, be the first time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, all right, next song is Devalia's Dream. Strangers are so easily forgotten. Oh, it's hard to keep believing when you know you've been deceived. To face a lie and then try again. But there's nothing like a woman with a spell of make believe. To make a and looking at scores this was not one of our favorites um yeah you had this you had this higher than wayne and i did yeah i mean it's it's a perfectly brilliant song in its own way in in some ways this this song is like an outlier on this record because it doesn't really feel it, it. It almost has this emotional detachment that like everything else in this feels like this is like a piece of Chris's soul. And this to me just kind of is like, well, here's a really cool song I had lying around and let's, and, and that's just how it strikes me. Um, and, and also it's, it's a bit of an outlier for Chris too, because he doesn't always come out, and sort of play the the woman as deceiver card. It's usually like things didn't work out. You know, I messed up, she messed up, whatever. Uh, so in some ways, I feel like it just doesn't even kind of belong on the record. So for that reason, I think I gave it. Gosh, I gave it a four. Okay, well, I, some of my lower rung, I, I should have. I, I need to recalibrate, but I, I do <laughs> I enjoy think- listening to the song, though. I actually do enjoy listening to it. I think somebody needs to give me more of the song meaning to it because 
I didn't know what a Duvalier was, so I, you know, I put put it in Google, and that is the first thing that comes up is the dictator Francois Duvalier, also known as Papa Doc, was a dictator in Haiti who ruled from fifty seven to eighty six, which um, during that time, according to whatever I pulled up. Um, they tortured and killed thousands of people and, <laughs> and his yeah, militia was, was known as the Tauntauns. Wow. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure if that was the same Duvalier. Uh, I don't think this is a political song, but it really changes the context. Oh. If it is, I, I had no yeah, idea. I, wow. I, this is another one I think is a great, I think that's a coincidence uh, as bizarre as it may sound. Um, this is this is a like I say it it is a good song, but I it's got this very middle medieval minstrel kind of a feel to it yeah. that, I, that I didn't that I couldn't really that I didn't enjoy. Um, I like I say once again very poetic and I'll never love again and then oops I just loved again. Uh, right. So he he it's a great it's a it's a story once again a, a timeless story that he he tells it very well, but. Musically, um, I wasn't a huge fan. Yeah. 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 This was my one as well. All right. We're going to wrap this up and no. wrap up this record, which uh, is one of the greatest songs written. Yeah. Sunday morning coming down. Mm. And it took me back to something that I'd lost somehow, somewhere along the way. On the Sunday morning sidewalk Wishing, Lord, that I was stoned Cause there's something in a Sunday Makes a body feel alone And there's nothing short of dying as lonesome as the sound on the sleeping city sidewalks and we already talked about Johnny already had sung this it had been a hit for Ray Stevens as well Mm -hmm. actually hit on both the country and the pop charts yeah this was a this was I, I tell another little story about my father uh, 1970, he had just graduated high school and he was living in a boarding house in Macon. Uh, at that time, he was trying to be a, an optician, so he was like apprenticing. He was living in his boarding house for like five bucks a week with a bunch of other young men like himself. And uh, this is before his uh, spiritual awakening. He ended up being a preacher later, but you know, they'd go out on Saturday night and, you know, have a good time and everything. And he would wake up on Sunday and, you know, be hungover. And there was a guy down the hall, I think, that would always be playing this song every Sunday morning when he woke up. And he would do the same thing. And I I mean, again, I I can't uh, articulate how much I identify with this song um, as someone who likes to have a drink, as someone who's at times probably abused substances in my life. Uh, To to quote another Chris Iverson song, the going up is not always worth the coming down. 
Um, and I've had many a morning, many a Sunday morning, especially as a preacher's kid, not really being involved in the church in, in my adult life for different reasons. But, you know, being away from my family in my early 20s, um, there's a real reckoning of a, a quiet Sunday morning when, you know, in the back of your mind that, you know, some people are where they're supposed to be, I suppose. And in church and everything's kind of simple and happy and you're just desperately trying to get unhung over so you can go about your day. Um, there's so much I could, I could, I could write a dissertation about this song. It's, it's only edged out by to beat the devil by the, the slimmest of margins. And this is my second highest. This is my number 11. I love this song and uh, always will. I, I, I tour a lot with uh, Sean Mullins over the years and we always do this together as a, uh, as an encore. Oh, nice. It's always, always the best part of the night. Does Sean still do, um, uh, the Steve Earle cover. Oh, what song? Oh, now it's totally escaping me. The one time that I saw Sean, like a big years ago, big hit. Uh, it was one of Steve's hits in the eighties that kind of put him back. Copperhead Road. Copperhead Road. No, I, I don't. I've never seen him do that, but I would love to hear Sean do that. <laughs> oh, kick some major butt. All right. Sorry, I got off. Yeah, sorry. Wrong anyway, I, I was just saying uh, Sunday morning coming down is like the, the greatest song ever written, and that's all. Yeah. Yeah. Wayne, what do you got? Yeah, and to me, this is the definitive version. Johnny Cash mm-hmm. has a big, beautiful voice, and he makes it sound better, but this is the re- the pretense for Sunday walking around, wandering around on Sunday morning is because at that point, the bars were closed. So this guy is a, is a, has a drinking problem. And he's, uh, but I do want to make two two uh, references that I think are part of Chris Christopherson's formation on this song. Uh, the what is it? The shave my face and comb my hair, stumble down the stairs. That sounds a lot like got up, got out of bed, dragged a comb across my head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, the lonely bell was ringing, and therefore never sent to know for whom the bell tolls. Mm-hmm. It tolls for thee. Um, which is a which explores you know humanity's interconnectedness. So I think those are absolutely intentional mm-hmm. and brilliant, and no one else could can convey that that law lo- that that loss of faith and inspiration and loneliness that that he's able to capture with that gravelly, really raggedy, raw voice. Um, so everybody else who sings this is just trying is is missing the point in a lot of ways. This is my second favorite song too. Yeah. Well, this is this is my favorite song on the record, uh, and mostly for the line of "I fumbled through my closet for my clothes and found my cleanest, dirty shirt." Yep, I was just going to say another iconic Christopherson line is the one just before that: "The beer I had for breakfast wasn't bad, so I had one more for dessert." I had one more for I dessert. Mean, come on, uh, so good, <sighs> so good. Um, and I and I will give a little little uh, shout out. So on Real Radio one hundred four point one in Orlando, there is a very eclectic Sunday morning radio show called Sunday Morning Coming Down with Joseph Martins, mm. which he plays a lot of of you know straight up country and Chris Christopherson and. David Allen Coe and Johnny Cash and that kind of deal. Um, 
my my kids hate it when I'm driving to church <laughs> and I turn and I turn this on because they're like, oh, we gotta listen to the country music stuff again. Um, <laughs> but it, so, anyways, shout out to Joseph Martins because his radio show is fantastic. <laughs> um, all right, I think we got all the scores. Did we not? Two we good? And a 12. I think so. All right. Um, so this is where I go. Did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? Normally I would say yes, but I think there's just so there's so much in here that I, I, I don't know if we got it all, but I think we, we, we took a fair shot at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like we need a part two at some point and let's listen to this again and re- revisit in six months. Cause there's just, it's a rich text. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. All right. So number one, based off scores, just barely is Sunday morning coming down. And that's, that's my doing. Cause I, I gave a nine to beat the devil, which is our Ugh, number two travesty. I know. Sorry guys. Um, <laughs> so our, our number three is best of all possible worlds. Number four, me and Bobby McGee. And, um, remember how I said I would come back to score. So I knew that, that Wayne was going to love the laws for the protection of the people. So I, <laughs> I gave it a, I gave it a seven instead of a six so that it would make our top five and it's tied with it's tied with help me make it through the night. So that's fair. So that's, that's our top five. So yeah. I think that's reasonable. I, the only thing I'm, I'm surprised a little bit by best of all possible worlds. We screwed you for for the good times. I'm sorry. Yeah, you guys are just heartless bastards. I guess that's what yeah. it is, right? <laughs> <laughs> we lack grace in breakups. You lack you lack grace in breakups, and you love social commentary. All right, I know how this is now. And if I if I ever do this again with you guys, I'm coming in. I've got my research now. I'm going to dominate this thing. <laughs> Excellent. All right, we're we're up for the task. All right, um, Rick. This has been a lot of fun. This has been oh, great. Yeah, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for giving me the reason to go back and listen to this record so many times again. Sure, sure. So remind our listeners where they can find all the happenings of Rick Brantley. Uh, RickBrantley.com, at Rick Brantley on Twitter and Instagram, and then Rick Brantley Facebook. I mean, you know, it's all out there. Um, But uh, Instagram, Twitter, and stuff like that is really where most of the action happens. You can catch me fighting political battles on Twitter and pictures of my dog on Instagram. So. Perfect. So last question. This is this is how we got hooked up with you because we asked David Bournet, who do you know that I don't know who should come on our podcast to talk about one of their favorite records? So throwing that question out to you as well. It's easy. Uh my dear friend Rob Baird out of uh Austin, Texas. He's a Memphis boy by trade, brilliant singer, songwriter. I produced his last record called After All. I'd encourage everyone to go and listen to it because it is a a badass work of art. And as I'm speaking, Rob is in another part of the house cooking dinner because we're writing for his new record. So I'm not saying that just because he's 40 feet away from me. He's one of my favorite artists in the world and one of my best pals. And he's just a funny, insightful guy. And uh, I think he would love to talk to you guys. I think you'd really enjoy having him on. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'll I'll make it happen. Perfect. All right, so let's wrap this up. So as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes by going to recordsrevisitpodcast.com. Of course, you can find us on the socials as well. You can find us on Facebook. I'm also on Twitter, at Podcast Records. Wayne, 
tell about the Instagram? Records Revisited podcast. I just followed it yeah. four seconds ago. Perfect. And we're all friends. So 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 Wayne's Wayne's on the the Instagram. I don't do the Instagram. I do the others. Yeah. Which right. um, every time I'm on Twitter, I I wonder why the hell I'm yeah I'm I'm on there. Um, you can find it. Yeah. So uh, make sure that you go and subscribe and rate or review us on all the major podcast platforms that you can find us on. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. I would tell you to go to a live show, but you know the drill on that. So find your favorite musicians and support them on any of the live streamings that they're doing. Buy a t-shirt of the band like Carolina Story. Buy a record. Visit a record store. You can You can do that now. Just, you know stay safe distance away from people and wear a damn mask okay we are records revisited and we are out, out. out.